Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Loose Ends, the Singh family tragedy. This is episode 19, Shiv Speaks. My name is Graham Crowley. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast was created for an adult audience, so listener discretion is advised. I do own all thoughts and opinions in this podcast. I've had much feedback, thank you, regarding episode 18, A Noble Cause, but sadly no comments or possible explanations on how forensic police made such a genuine but terrible mess of the search of the garage. Which is sad, really. I'm sure there are many people, as well as myself, interested to understand how the search went so badly off the rails. And of course it raises the question, if it occurred in this case, has it occurred in other cases? I am personally aware of similar problems by scenes of crime police in the Holland murder investigation, and some may even suggest identical, actually. Are there others? The Queensland police have set the bar very low in terms of crime scene searches if the Singh murders is any investigation to go by. If these victims were my family, I certainly would not be happy with what Queensland police hadn't done. You may not be aware but sections of the community, including some in the legal fraternity, are suggesting that the forensic service areas of police departments should be separated from mainstream policing. What occurred in the Holland case, and now in the Singh case, would add weight to those calls, I suggest. Recently I caught up with Max Seeker's wife to discuss her husband and his murder convictions. I was particularly curious to hear if she was a victim of domestic violence by Max Seeker. You may recall Max Seeker's ex-wife, Sarah. She described Max as coercive and controlling at times, but never, ever violent or aggressive to either her or their children. Andrea B., while she could not trust anything that came out of her mouth, never claimed Max was violent or intimidating. Two other women, known to have been involved with Max Seeker after the murders, denied any suggestion of violence on his part despite both claiming being pressured by Queensland police to provide evidence of violence. In fact, whilst I've been actively trying to find someone to fit that bill, I've been unable to find anyone who described Max Seeker as aggressive or abusive. Even the elderly woman and her husband involved in a car accident with Max Seeker at Everton Park. It was sort of getting to folklore status. Everyone knew Max Seeker was violent, 
but none had actually witnessed it or experienced it. Criminologist Shannon, in episode 8, IBH, was convinced Max Seeker was a violent DV offender. I'm not suggesting for a minute that all DV murderers must have a history of actual physical or verbal violence. I am aware that in around 50% of DV murders in Australia, the offender has no history of DV, which can also be interpreted that around 50% of DV murderers do have a history of physical violence and or verbal abuse. And there is also the statistic that 88% of DV murders involve solely the offender and the victim. And only 8% of DV murders involve multiple victims. And where there are multiple victims, they are usually children of the relationship. Other family members represent 0.4 of 1% of all statistics of murders. Across 23 years of monitoring murders, the most consistent method leading to death was stab wounds. I do not believe the Singh murders had an origin in DV, and I believe the evidence supports that position. There was plenty of domestic violence going on in the lives of the Singh family, but there is no evidence of domestic violence between Max and Neilma or Max and any of the other women he was ever known to associate with. It is my belief the Crown had to paint the murders as a DV matter so the blame could be pointed to Max Seeker. If it was not domestic violence, it was difficult to show Max Seeker had a motive for the murders. I'm speaking today with Shiv Seeker, wife of Max Seeker, who has agreed to be interviewed regarding Max and their relationship. She tells me that she will answer all questions honestly and tell it exactly as it is. Thanks for your time today, Shiv. May I start, please, by asking your age, where you are born and when you arrived in Australia? I am 38 years of age in Fiji. arrived here on June the 15th of 2003 as an international student. So that was six weeks or so after the murders. Can you tell me when you first heard about the murders, please? First heard about it uh, when it came in the newspapers in Fiji while I was there. Yeah, that was the first time I came across the articles. And you still live in Australia, and as I understand it, you're an Australian citizen, is that correct? Yes, I am. And what did you come to Australia to study, Shiv? I came here to study international business. When did you first meet Max Seeker Shiv? I first met him online, I believe it was sometime in August, September, around that time. 2003? 2003, yes, but I did not meet him in person until November of that year. Were you aware he was a suspect for the Singh murders? Yes, he had told me vaguely online, but I had completely, you know, I just took it in through one year and out through the other at that point. Did you discuss the murders with Max Shiv? Yes, the very first day when I met him in person, he did sit down, we had dinner together and he actually told me everything about him being a suspect and his relationship with Nilma as much as he could on that first day, he had told me a lot. When did you enter a relationship with Max? I believe it was in 2000 and 
It was later in 2004. When did you marry, Shiv? Uh, we got married in December 22, 2008. Do you have children together? Just one. Do you visit Max in prison? Uh, I haven't visited him in a long time. Is there a reason for that? Well, in 2015, our relationship pretty much came to an end. I still talk to him, however, when he calls, if I'm at my in-law's house, he does call and we do talk, because naturally we share a child together. Shiv, what's your opinion of Max Eka? Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> well, I'm not trying to be biased, but all in all, what I can say is Max does have a very good heart. Everyone has their faults. No one is perfect. Max does have his faults, but as I said, he does have a very good heart and he does have a lot of love to share. Shiv, in your opinion, did Max murder the Singh children? No. He didn't kill the Singh children? No. Did you ever ask him that question? Yes, I have. And what did he say to you? He told me, no, I've seen him cry. Um, when I first met him, that's how our relationship sort of evolved because he didn't know who to trust. He didn't have anyone to unload the things that he was going through, whereas me... Me being someone that has had nothing to do with the police or with the Singh family or anyone else, he found it easier to unload with me. He used to come and meet me and when, while we were friends. We'd go and sit in uh, school parks or, you know, in car parks and he would unload everything that was going with him at the time. For example, police officers, you know, following him around, interviews that he had conducted, stories about his relationship with Nilma, Kunal and Sidi and the Singh family, his family's relationship with the Singh family as well. And, yeah, many things, in fact. Yeah, quite a lot. <laughs> Max has been portrayed as a domestic violence murderer, and I'd like to canvas that issue with you. Was Max ever physically violent toward you during your relationship, Shiv, or, in fact, at any point whilst you knew him? Max has never been violent towards me. In fact, it's the other way around. Naturally, at the end of my head, I always, you know, had my little doubts when I first met him. So I did test him a few times and pushed him to the limit, to the point where I bit a chunk of flesh from his arm just to test if, you know, what his reaction was going to be. And any other person in their right mind would have even given me a slap you know, to avoid that. But Max never laid one hand on me. Instead, he bear cuddled me, you know, and kept saying to me that, Shiv, I love you. Can you calm down? Can you calm down, please? He, to the point where he started crying. Have you heard of the term love bombed? Yes. Did Max ever love bomb you, Shiv? Wait, sorry, one second. What's love bomb? <laughs> I have heard of it, but I just can't remember. It's like uh, basically... Um, Did he overwhelm you with affection, with love? He's always been very loving. Like, that's the thing. That's hard to answer because he's always been very loving and affectionate. Max was more into PDA, for example. I wasn't because I was a very shy person back then and, you know, more, you know, closely more to the Indian culture. So I found PDA hard and all that. But yeah, Max has always been very loving towards me. I wouldn't say love bomb. It was a gradual build up. Shiv, whilst you were not physically abused, was Max ever verbally abusive toward you? 
verbally, no, we, we, we did argue a few times, but that was mostly because I was very young and, you know, I had, you know, when I met him, I was 19 years of age. I was in a, I was a mum by 22. So, you know, I had a lot of frustration and anger and, uh, things from my past that I was dealing with as well. I would say I was more verbally violent to him than anything. <laughs> Shiv, during the relationship, was Max ever sexually abusive or violent toward you? No, he has never been sexually abusive towards me. Did Max control your finances while you were in the relationship or dictate to you what you could or couldn't spend? Not really. Only after, I guess, when my daughter was born, because at that time I was no longer working and the only income I would get was um, from settling for my daughter. So we would uh, combine our finances and look after the household, like, you know, because Max has two other children as well from his first marriage. So we worked as a couple. I wouldn't say he controlled it. I was allowed to freely do whatever I wanted. If I wanted something, he'd buy it for me. Did Max control your friends at all, Shiv? Dictate to you who you could be friends with or who you couldn't be friends with, who could visit you, who you could visit? Yes, in that aspect, yes, he did. In what respect? Following my pregnancy, he did not want me to have be friends with my university friends. And there was a particular group of friends that I used to hang around with. And he did make me estranged from them. But I didn't know. But two years later, I did find out that he was still associating with them. How did that make you feel? I was very angry. Very upset. Did Max ever spiritually abuse you, Shiv? Do you understand what that means? Yes, I do. He has never spiritually abused me. In fact, if it was the other way around because I'm a very strong Christian and I would always try to get him to pray and, you know, go more towards Christianity. He wasn't really interested until, I guess, 2008 after the um, first arrests were made and he got out on bail. Did Max ever monitor your activity while you're in a relationship with him? Yes, there were times where he did monitor my activities. How did he do that? He was a computer expert, so he would keep an eye basically on, not only on me, but even what the children were doing upstairs on the computers and what activities were going on on the computer. So, yeah. Did he monitor your activity in any other manner? No, because I was always with him. I was always either at the house or with him. He did uh, monitor my emails. I know that much. Did you talk about that? Yes, it did come up in 2007 when I finally found out. Let's just put it this way, it was because he was, he can be a bit jealous and possessive at times. Did he follow you at all when you went out or surveil you? I never went out unless it was with him at that point. From my knowledge, he had at one stage, there was one particular night which he had told me that he was listening to my conversation with my older brother when he had come from Fiji, but there are reasons behind that as well. I think he was doing it more out of my safety because, uh, yeah, I've got a few issues from my past, stemming from my past. When you say Max got jealous, would he get angry, aggressive? Nah, he wouldn't actually show it. He actually had an affair with one of my friends and my first cousin. So while I was pregnant... I found out in 2007 that he had started an affair with my so-called best friend at the time, um, Melissa Reeves. And 
it went on until after my daughter was born. Did you ever meet or know the woman Andrea B? Yes, I did. In fact, the very first time I met her, she was sitting there and I was sitting, Max was sitting on that side and I was sitting this side. Whenever she would come around, she would talk with me, but it was mostly, she was always just trying to talk about the murders, whereas Max and I would try and talk about general things like her children and things like that. That is, uh, Max always knew that she was a uh, informant for the police, working with the police. Uh, he'd known that from day dot to the point when uh, Andrea had bought things over for our child while I was pregnant, the first thing Max did was take the bassinet upstairs and tear it all apart to make sure there was no recording devices on it. Even my mother-in-law was uh, prior, uh, prior to that. If Max knew or suspected Andrea B was a police informant, why did he continue to see her and speak to her and interact with her? <laughs> That's something that Max and I actually had a lot of arguments about because I didn't like the thing, what, what he was doing. For him, he always said that he always wanted to know what the police were trying to find out. And, you know, uh, he was trying to you know what the police was trying to get him on. And he always, it was like playing with fire. He knew that, you know, Andrea was working with the police, but his answer was always, I know that I didn't kill the children. I know, you know, that she's working with the police and they're trying to set me up. I think one of the major ones was because there was something that was not ever mentioned in the police, in, in the newspapers and Andrea made the mistake of mentioning it to him. And what was that? I believe it was in relation to the footprints. And uh, at that time, um, it, uh, oh, no, sorry, it, it could have been either the footprints or the murder weapon. I believe it was the murder weapon, in fact, because that was not actually ever told to the media initially. The garden fork. Yeah, the garden fork and uh, something about uh, strangulation. And when Max had gone in for an interview, they had actually put the garden fork in front of him. And they had also spoken about uh, strangulation. Andrea had done the mistake of uh, speaking about it with Max. You told me earlier... You wanted to talk about the committal proceedings at Max's trial and the police search of the garage and that you felt it was a very significant event. Uh, yes, during the uh, committal proceeding, um, Sam DiCarlo at length had questioned all the police witnesses um, about the inspections against in, inside that had been carried out inside the garage. Uh, every inch by inch was covered on each and every wall, except for the side on which the garden fork was found. And Sam DiCarlo had requested on numerous occasions for photos of that area. There was photos of every other corner, inch by inch, of the garage that was provided. Yet that one particular wall where the garden fork was located, there was no photographs whatsoever. Sam kept insisting. Eventually they came back. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. With pictures, which was actually a reenactment. So it was a reconstruction of what they said was the war on the day of investigations, uh, sorry, of the crime scene investigation. Have you listened to the podcast I'm doing on this case, Shiv? Not really. Um, I did get up to, I think, episode eight, but then it just became too traumatic for me. Um, brings up a lot of PTSD, and uh, it's nothing that we haven't been through before. Um, just the sheer effect of hearing the injustice all over, um, it brings nightmares for me, so I just haven't been listening to anything. In episode eight, I spoke with a criminologist, Shannon, and we talked about intimate partner homicide. Max has been described as a domestic violence killer. What are your thoughts on that? He's not a violent person at all. He may be emotionally manipulative. He can be a bit jealous and controlling, I guess. But he has never been violent towards anybody, even my children, uh, even his children. And especially, as I said, towards me, where I've been violent to him, not on one occasion, but there was another occasion as well where I was really violent towards him. And he didn't do anything. If anything, I actually ended up tripping and falling that day. And the first thing he did was quickly catch me before my head uh, hit the floor on the ground and, you know, tried to calm me down. Weird thing was uh, the neighbors called the cops that day and the cops came, even though he was the one uh, who had blood coming out of the side of his head. They turned around and asked me if I wanted to press charges against Max and I told them to piss off. <laughs> so would you agree with the suggestion that whilst Max has not been physically violent towards you or actually verbally violent a lot of other things he has been coercive and controlling towards you at times yes at times would you agree with shannon's assessment of max as she made in episode eight intimate partner homicide of the podcast uh not fully not fully he has painted she has painted max out to be a monster um, regardless of uh, Max being, you know, um, a bit controlling or, or jealous and all that, I do believe he has he had his reasons behind it. Naturally, when it comes to me, um, because, for example, when he was in jail for the first time, his partner had uh, cheated on him and ended up breaking, uh, ended up with a guy that they broke their families, both of them, in order to be together. So... Naturally, that was a big blow to Max because he had absolutely loved Sarah with all his heart. That was the mother of his children. 
and he had always hoped that you know they were going to get back together so that was a huge blow to him apart from that i guess the fact that nilma had also cheated on him in the past so when he came across me being so young and all that you know he had his you know i guess his suspicions or curiosity you know max's partners may have been cheating on him but he was certainly cheating on them as well wasn't he in Sarah's case, I don't think he did. I don't believe he did. But in Nilma's case, yes, I know that he was going out with Nicole. And yes, with me, he did um, He did do that with me as well. How did Max describe Nilma towards you, Shiv? Uh, he really did love her. He's told me that um, she was a beautiful girl. They had plans for the future together. They did want to get married and settle down. And that basically they had lied to their parents a lot, in particular the Singh family, because of the Indian culture and because of the fact that um, Max, sorry, um, Nilma's father did not like Max at all. Did he tell you whether they were separated or together at the time of the murders? Well, from what I know is that they were appearing to be separated, but they were still together, they were still seeing each other. And they were playing a very dangerous game whereby they were pretending to set each other up with other people. While the, hence why Max was going out with Nicole, appearing to make it look like he was going out with someone else to the Singh family. And they were trying to set Nilma up with her ex Amit in order to, to make it appear to the Singh family that they were not together and so that Nilma's mother would technically allow Max and Nilma to still be in contact with each other. Did Max ever discuss any future plans he claimed to have had with Nilma? Yes, they had plans of um, getting married, having children together. He did want to settle down with her. She wanted to settle down with him to the point where she herself had lied to her parents, upon her return from Dubai, and actually spent time with Max in the Seeker family home. Did Max ever discuss with you his relationship with Sidi and his relationship with Canel? They actually liked Max. Uh, Max always used to tell a story about how Canel used to be scared of geckos, and once Max had gone caught a gecko and chased Kunal right around this roundabout here in front of the Sika family house and finally pinned him down to the ground and made him touch the gecko. <laughs> Kunal was screaming his head off. Kunal didn't like geckos, I take it. He didn't like geckos. <laughs> and in saying that also, um, Sidi grew up with Max's uh, niece, Milena, and also with... Uh, they were, he, Sidi uh, also went to the same daycare centre as uh, Max's son, Daniel. Now, you were very friendly with Claudio Seeker, weren't you? Max's late brother. Can you tell me about conversations you had with Claudio? Oh, we've, I've had a lot of conversations with Claudio. Claudio was pretty much the only person that Max really trusted when it came to the case. He was his go-to guy. Claude was the kind of person who would give it to him straight. He did not care what his the image of his brother was because he knows that that doesn't prove a person's guilt or innocence. Uh, he was a very straightforward person. Claudio is the person who always said that, oh, yes. In fact, when we got the brief of material from the um, 
the DPP, yes. Um, Claudio and I, when we started looking at it, we saw it as Max being guilty. And we were trying to look for things in the brief of evidence that proved that. Instead, we found, the more we dug, we found evidence to the contrary, proving his innocence. And it's all being just a big sham, like from day dot, like what Max had actually said. Initially, um, for example, we thought that Max was, you know, telling us stories that was like, you know, normally a normal person would think it's something that you see in movies. For example, when I first met him, he used to tell me, shave this, you know, that's the cop following me. This is a cop following me. And I sometimes, you know, I got to the point where I thought this guy is actually lunatics, you know, so you're just too paranoid. However, we pulled up one day at the BP at uh, Tuong, and what's happened is Max, prior to that, had spotted the police cars and told me that they were police cars, detective undercover. And uh, as soon as we've pulled up at the service station, that car has pulled up behind him and parked just across from where Max was at the service station. And they came out eventually, and I actually saw that there were police officers. There was a number of instances like that uh, whereby we would be travelling. Did Max ever discuss with you a kidnapping plot? Yes, he did, in fact. The first time he told me, as I said, I thought I didn't believe it was true. But following that, yes, I did, uh, I did believe him because I came across other situations that sort of. What did he tell you? He told me that basically he was involved in a kidnapping plot with the triads. There was a guy named, well, he was known most, more commonly as Aku or Jim Aku, but that was not his real name. It was King, uh, what was his name? Starting with Kale. <laughs> yes, that's the person. I forgot his name, sorry, just at the top of my head. Um, Joku, yeah. Uh, Joku, um, apparently Max had met him sometime in prison and he had come out. What Max told me is that he was a member of the triads. At that time, I did not understand what the triads was. So he actually explained to me that they are people that are basically like the Chinese mafia and that they do not hesitate to kill people. He told me that he was asked by Joe uh, jo and the triads to be the escape driver for that kidnapping plot. Initially, the plot, the kidnapping was meant to be not the father of the businessman. It was meant to be the son or the grandson, I believe, of the businessman. But And what's happened is Max told Nilma about that. And Nilma had actually on one occasion seen, um, seen Joe. Okay, I think I believe that Joe had seen Nilma in the car with Max. Max had spoken to Joe about his relationship with Nilma. And at one stage... And then I remember Max telling me that Nilma had told the mother about it, the kidnapping plot, and the mother had threatened to go to the police about it. Yeah, before they could actually do that, I think they were intercepted by the police. There have been claims made that Nilma was the police informant in that kidnapping. Do you know anything about that? All I know is that the day that the bodies were discovered, it was the day that the committal hearing for Aku's matter was supposed to start and that Nilma was presumed to be one of the witnesses in that matter. Shiv, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Is there anything else you'd like to say at this time? 
Oof, not at this moment. Like, I have to refresh my memory, you know. Sorry, I'm just a bit stressed at the moment, you know, as you can see. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Over the past 18 months, I've come to know Carlo and Anna Maria Sika quite well. They are good and decent people. I expect once the podcast winds up, I will remain in contact with them. And Carlo does make a superb short black coffee, as well as an excellent lasagna. The Seekers do not believe their son is a triple murderer, or a killer at all. Many parents feel the same way, of course, about their children who are in similar circumstances. It is to be expected and certainly not unusual. I have spent countless hours going through evidence files with the Seekers. Not only Carla and Anna Maria, but their daughters Anna and Rosanna, both also firmly believe Max is not a killer. The entire extended Seeker family believes Max did not kill the Singh children. The Seekers know the circumstances of the case in detail and feel frustrated that a lot of the evidence that showed Max to be innocent was ignored by police. They do not believe Max received a fair trial. Their belief in the judicial system is shaken. The Seekers are very committed to pursuing this case and to proving their son innocent. I do not think you have heard the last of them. Anna Maria's accent makes it difficult to understand her at times, but this is her story. Anna, did Max murder the Singh children? No, no way. Is it possible he murdered the Singh children? No. Not because normally he was here when they said they murdered the, ching- uh, the, 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 the children, but Massimo, he loved with all his heart these children. And so me, I was devastated, like was my son. I have to tell you something. My son never cried on the front of us, but I never can forget that day when Massimo ring up. I don't know who was on the phone, because he can't talk. He only was cry, 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 and I start to get ready. Okay. I say, Massimo, I said to him, who is that, who is that, who is that? And he said, Massimo, it's me, Nilma died, Nilma died. I was thinking they have a car accident. Because I know they go to the movie. I said to him, Massimo, but it's the children. Because I was thinking even the children, they, they get hurt. I said, Mama, they have with me next to the car. I said, where are you? He said, at the side near my home. And I said, and I said, did you call the police? He said, yes, Mama, I did it. And then I come down and I said to Carlo, Massimo said, if my life, if my life, because that's all he said, if my life, if my life. And I, I said to Carla, Carla, I know where they live. Uh, and we have to rush the day. And I, I was with the short, with the setting on at the clock day all the time. So I was nearly 2.35 or uh, 20, uh, two three, something like that, because was a Carla go there. We go there. 
And I said, Masi, Masi, Mutali, Yudhi, Manaiti. He said, Mama, I saw them. They were in the bathtub, all three of them. And uh, we may leave it there. Thank you. Carlo, you are Max's father. Do you believe he murdered the Singh children? No, Max didn't kill anybody. For those of you who didn't catch that, Carlo said, no, Max didn't kill anybody. No, he's done some stupid things when he was younger, but he's a, he's a, not a killer. Okay. And I'm the first one when I went to the police with him. I said, you proved to me that my son could do something like that. You don't have to worry about I kill him myself. Because even though I'm a father, but I will not forgive anybody who's capable to do something like that. Even though Simon, when she was young, she used to come to me and say, Dad, something happened to school, you know, that and that. I said, well, you're wrong. And she used to say, but you're my father. I said, yeah, I'm your father, but unfortunately you're wrong. I, I always stand up for the right not cover anybody up. Even when I, when I met with condom, he tried to say, I got the kids. I said, look, cut the shit out because if my son would do something like that, I would not forgive nobody. The police knew that from the first day that, that I was just for the justice. I would just find who killed those kids. Those kids were very close to me. They used to call me Uncle Carlo. CD used to come with, uh, Rosanna, daughter Millie. And she said, Uncle Carlo, can I come over? I said, yeah, but Millie is not here. She said, can I still come? I said, yeah, come. Name of the same, Kunal, Uncle Carlo. Shell used to call me Uncle Carlo. Vijay used to call me Uncle Carlo. I didn't know the whole scenario that I, I learned after that. But those kids were just like family. I mean, even though they were not family, I would not forgive anybody. Whoever, whoever must look at those kids, they must be a monster, you know? And my son is not a monster. So if you had evidence that Max murdered them, you would have told the police. Is that what you're saying? Thousand percent. All right. Thanks, Carla. That's it for Shiv Speaks. Thank you for joining me in this latest episode of Loose Ends. Please join me in episode 20 the next chapter, where I discuss what the future looks like for Max Seeker with some very interesting twists. If you follow the podcast, you will be advised when a further episode is released. Please rate and review the podcast. It does help spread the story. If you like the podcast, tell your family and friends. If you have questions, information or feedback, you can contact me at the usual, the Facebook page, Loose Ends, The Singh Family Tragedy, and the email address looseends2003 at outlook.com. This podcast was made possible with the grateful assistance of the ACAST Creator Network. Music, Before I Go, by RKVC. You'll find all my contact details in the show notes at the end of each episode. Thanks again for listening.